Hello, my name is Andrew Gomison, and I am your host for the Speaking for Him podcast. Each and every Wednesday, I have the privilege of coming to you with some encouragement on this journey that we call the Christian life. I hope that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving and that you are getting really excited about the holiday season that is upon us, and I hope that you are reflecting upon the meaning of this time of year which is to reflect on the fact that the Son of God came to earth as a human baby for the express purpose of living a perfect life and dying a perfect death and then rising again as the exclamation point that showed that his perfect sacrifice was sufficient to bring us to salvation. And that's actually a good lead into today's podcast topic because we are finishing up our Myths of Jesus series and we are finishing with the myth that believing in Jesus is all that matters. Now, of course, as a believer in Jesus, I believe that believing in Jesus is essential to living a satisfied and fulfilled life. But in the context of what we're talking about, there are a lot of people that intellectually believe in Jesus. They believe that Jesus of Nazareth existed. Many may even give intellectual assent to the fact that he was crucified on a cross and rose again the third day. But you have to give more than intellectual assent if you want to have the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ make a difference for you. And that is reflected in our quote of the day. Our quote of the day comes from the book of James. And James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, says, Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. And that's James two, seventeen and 19. And I think this is a good passage to springboard into our discussion because it points out something very key. The demons knew who Jesus was and they believed in who he was in an intellectual level. They, unlike us, had their doom sealed before time began, because sometime in eternity past, they turned against God and followed Lucifer out of heaven with no hope of redemption. But they certainly believe that Jesus is who he said he was. They actually testified on numerous occasions to who Jesus was, one of those being a demon-possessed man in the temple who said, I know who you are, the Holy One of God, very clearly testifying to the fact that he knew that Jesus was not only 100% man, but was 100% God and was the Son of God sent to be our sacrifice. And before he was sacrificed for us, he gave us an example of how to live. But the cool thing about what God does for us is he not only gives us an example of how to live, but he gives us the power to live that life through his Holy Spirit. 
So as we dig into this topic, I want to share with you five points that must be true if your salvation is true. So we're going to start with true salvation requires new birth. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And that is John 3, verse 3. And this passage takes place during Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus by night. Nicodemus was a highly ranking member of the religious and political leaders of the day, and he did not probably want to be seen in public with Jesus, so he met with Jesus privately by night, and Jesus explained salvation to him in this way, ye must be born again. And this is a truth that has hit me in a new way over the last couple of years. I've always been taught that we need to be born again to be saved, and I've believed that from a young child. But one of the interesting things that I have seen, especially on social media, is someone will say, I used to be a Christian, but I am no longer that. And my challenge to them would be, have you ever seen a baby that is born become unborn? The answer to that is absolutely not. You see, the Christian life, in its truest essence, begins with a birth, a spiritual birth of that person and a bringing of that person from death to life. So the fact that salvation begins with a birthing process shows us, I believe, in a very strong way that salvation is actually permanent because when a baby is born, it does not become unborn. It lives for the amount of time that God has prescribed for that person. We know from the Psalms that God has numbered our days and we should live our lives knowing that God has a purpose and a plan for those days. But a baby does not become unborn once it is born. It is unborn and then it is born permanently and lives life until it dies at the time appointed. That is the reality. And so I think we should look at the Christian life from that lens. If you can say to me that you used to be a Christian and are not any longer, I say to you that you don't understand the spiritual component of believing in Jesus Christ and embracing salvation. Because it is not an intellectual ascent. It is not a one-time decision of the mind that you can simply walk through and then walk out of. It is rather a decision to acquiesce to God's control, your life, and it is something that God gives you permanently. The Bible says we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God when we become believers in Jesus Christ. So that's an important thing for us to remember. So the first point is true salvation requires new birth. If there hasn't been a new birth in your life, then you are not saved. True salvation is a work of God. This is another point that is totally important as we understand salvation. 
Jesus said this in John 6:44, no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So there's a guarantee here as well. First of all, Jesus is saying that if you are to come to me, my Father will draw you to me, and I will raise you up at the last day. There's security in this passage too, because he's not saying, I'll raise you up at the last day if you make it. He's saying, if the Father draws you to me, I will raise you up at the last day because you will make it by my power. And I know people can quibble about free will versus election, but the way I look at it is it's two sides of the same coin. We definitely have to make a decision for Christ. But if we're honest and we look back at our life, we realize the truth of Romans chapter 1, which is that no one seeks after God. There is no one good. And the only way that we can seek God is if God empowers us to do so by seeking us out first. So God seeks us out. God pricks our spirit. And then we choose to follow Jesus. And I can tell you from experience that that choice is the best decision that you will ever make. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't done that, that this is a great time to do that. Not only because today is the day of salvation, as Paul wrote, but also because we are in the Christmas season. And what a wonderful way to celebrate Christmas as you embrace the true reality of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the second point that we have talked about is true salvation is a work of God. It is not according to our works of righteousness that we're saved, but because of his righteousness. We don't have righteousness uh, with which we can save ourselves. We can only be saved through the righteousness of Jesus. True salvation changes you. This is another thing that is so important when we think about and talk about salvation. So many people will say, well, I am saved because I prayed a prayer when I was seven years old. And I prayed a prayer when I was five years old and became saved by the blood of the Lamb. I believe that I was saved when I was five years old. And I have no doubt that that's the case. Even though I've had momentary doubts throughout the years, I know that I was saved as a young boy. But the reality is, I believe that there's a lot of people walking around who say that they were saved because they walked an aisle as a young child, but their life does not reflect a change. Their life does not reflect that the Holy Spirit has come in and made a difference there. Paul said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 In this passage, we see that the journey of a Christian is one in which when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, there is an instantaneous change. We are made new and we are endowed with new desires. 
Now, this is definitely a journey. Uh, we'll talk um, a little bit later, a little bit more about sanctification and how it's not something that happens overnight. That's the whole premise of the Speaking for Him podcast, is that we're on a journey of the Christian life. It's a marathon and not a sprint. We need to keep that in mind. But fundamentally, the Christian is changed from the moment of salvation. As one of my friends, actually my radio mentor, Chris Danielson, has said on numerous occasions, and I'm sure it's not original with him, but God did not come to make bad people good. Rather, he came to make dead people alive. And that mentality, that mindset, that thought process makes all the difference. And another verse on this same topic is 1 Corinthians 6.11. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So Paul is saying to these Corinthians, you were someone who was evil. You were someone who walked after the world. And now you're washed. And now you're sanctified. And now you're justified. And why is that? Because of the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Remember I talked earlier about how the Holy Spirit seals us and is our guarantee of the fact that Jesus is coming back for us. There's another passage that says, The Lord knows who are his. The next point that I want to make is that true salvation is a journey. We've hinted at this already, but I think it's important for us to remember that even though we are new at the point of salvation, salvation in many ways is the beginning of a journey. And I can tell you from my own testimony that from the time I became a believer at the age of just before five years old to 14 years old, I knew that I had the guarantee of salvation, but I was not very happy with my temporary assignment, being in this wheelchair and having the physical ailments that I do. And I remember many times arguing with God and saying, God, if you had made me able-bodied, if you'd given me a strong body, then I could serve you. But because you didn't, I can't. So we kind of stayed in a stalemate for those nine years until when I was 14, through the influence of a conference, I realized that I needed to thank God for my disability and allow him to use my disability for his glory. I didn't need to be healed on the outside to be used. I just needed to surrender to the Lord Jesus. And when I did, he allowed me to do many wonderful things. And this podcast is definitely a part of that, even though I was not thinking about a podcast at that time in my life. So here's a couple passages about salvation being a journey. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he 
also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Romans eight twenty eight to 32 In this passage, Paul is saying that everything you go through is something that God can work through to conform you to the image of his son. That is the purpose for which the Christian life is laid out for us, to become more and more like Jesus every day. Now, of course, now we see through a glass darkly, but then we will be face to face. Now we are being sanctified day by day and still struggling with sin because we still live in a sin-filled world. Then we will be totally free from sin. This mortal will put on immortality. This corruptible will put on incorruption. I'm looking forward to that, and I hope you are too. And I love the fact that it says, those he called were predestinated. And then it says, and those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, those he glorified. So this is a combination of things that happens in the life of the believer. And we can be confident because of this combination of things that God is for us, and it doesn't matter who stands up against us, they will not prevail. What a wonderful truth to embrace. And then one of my favorite verses from the book of Philippians says this, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. This is another verse that flies in the face of the I once was a Christian mindset. Because this verse says to me that God who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it until the day that Jesus Christ returns. It's not my work. It's his work. Philippians chapter 2 says that it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's God's work. We are the conduit. We just need to humble ourselves and allow him to do his work. God is not a human. He does not do half jobs. He does not leave the work half finished. That's why it says here in Philippians that he will complete the work. If it was up to me, I would lose my salvation because I lose a lot of things. But thanks be to God, it's not up to me. It's up to Jesus. And I'm so thankful for that. So, so far, we have seen that true salvation requires new birth. True salvation is a work of God. True salvation changes you. And true salvation is a journey. And the final thing I want to share with you on this topic is true salvation is permanent. John 6.37 says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Again, that guarantee. 
As a matter of fact, do you realize that every single verse in this discussion today is speaking in the definitive article? There are no maybes anywhere in these texts. They are all guarantees. And finally, we have John 10, 28 to 30, where Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And again, that's John ten twenty eight to 30. So the picture that Jesus is painting for us here is that he has us in his hand, and then he places his hand in the hand of the Father, so we are doubly secure. Uh, there's an old song that one of my friends, uh, John B. Orley, really likes, and it goes like this in the first verse. More secure is no one ever than the loved ones of the Savior. Folks, we are secure in the Lord Jesus if we believe in him and if we give our hearts to him full stop. Why is that? Because when Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, he meant it. He didn't say, it might be finished. He didn't say, I hope it's finished. He said, it is finished. And so, I hope that that encourages you as we go through the Christian life. And particularly as you are going through the day and facing whatever challenges that God has placed in your path, I hope you know that he is there with you. The psalmist in Psalm 23 said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me. He leadeth me is a key phrase in that psalm. If we are his, he will lead us. And in Hebrews 13.5, he said to us, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So we need to rejoice in these things. So by way of review, we learned in the beginning that even the devils, the demons, believe and tremble. They know who Jesus is. They testified of him on numerous occasions, and he always forbade them and shut them up. Then we learn that true salvation requires new birth. True salvation is a work of God. True salvation changes you. True salvation is a journey. And true salvation is permanent. These five things are a good barometer as to whether your salvation or the salvation of your loved ones is genuine. We are told to discern through the Bible as our standard, what is truth, and to stand for it and to proclaim it. Now more than ever, there are people standing in pulpits claiming to speak for God, but speaking blasphemies and not caring about the truth of the word. So my encouragement to you today and throughout this whole series is to embrace the truth to share the truth with others, primarily so that they can spot lies. I've used this example before, probably on this series, but I'll use it again. When someone is learning 
to spot counterfeit money as a police officer. They don't spend a bunch of time with counterfeit money. Rather, they spend time with the real deal, examining it every fiber, every dot, every jot, so that when they see a counterfeit bill, they notice its counterfeit nature. And we need to be able to study the word in such a way that we can see what is counterfeit. Because the devil is sneaky. He's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he's also an angel of light. He masquerades evil as good. From the Garden of Eden, that's been his mission. His first question to Adam and Eve was, did God really say? And he is asking that question over and over today in the pulpits of America. So we need to be able to respond with, this is what God really said. Because you know what? It's extremely sobering for me to realize that each time I take my place behind the mic for this podcast, that it is my responsibility to lovingly and truthfully proclaim the word of God. And it is my goal to do so without apology as long as the door is open. I'm so thankful for all of you, for your support, for your prayers, and for your financial contributions when possible. It truly does make a difference. If you have any questions or concerns or suggestions for future content on this podcast, please let me know with the contact information that's about to roll at the end of the show and just continue to listen. It's very encouraging to me that people are spending time with the Speaking for Him podcast, with the Culture Watch podcast, and being encouraged. And I'm excited about some of the things that I have planned for this Christmas season on the podcast and probably some things that have not yet been planned but will be there anyway. So I hope that you'll stay tuned. I'm excited to share that with you, and I'm just so thankful for God's faithfulness through these many years of broadcast ministry. With that being said, I will simply end by saying have a great week and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.